all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about health from a women's perspective. Dr. Michelle Owens and I, I'm Dr. Allie Brown, will be on today. It's a good topic for Dr. Owens. It's what did you always want to ask your lady doctor, the gynecologist, but maybe you were afraid to ask. And then what does your gynecologist want you to know? Guys, you can call in and ask questions too. It's not off limits. Call us today at one. Oh, you can email us at MPB online or at one 672 7464 That's one eight seven seven mpb ring Southern Remedy for Women is coming on now. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Former Congressman Anthony Weiner is pleading guilty to a charge of transferring obscene material to a minor. He reportedly has agreed not to appeal any sentence between 21 and 27 months in prison. Weiner has been under federal investigation after North Carolina teenager told the tabloid site The Daily Mail that she and the former politician had exchanged sexually explicit texts for months. Weiner's proclivity for sexting strangers had cost him his political career. The FBI's investigation into Weiner led it to emails between his wife, Uma Amadid, and former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. That became the subject of then-Director James Comey's stunning decision to announce a new line of investigation into Clinton's use of a private server for sensitive information. The Clinton campaign partly blames Comey's timing of that announcement for her loss to Donald Trump. Last week, the president fired Comey, which has led to a string of controversies surrounding his investigation into Russian hacking and alleged ties to the Trump campaign. Well, eager to get beyond the Russia hacking controversy playing out in Washington, President Trump tweets he's ready for his big foreign trip. He says he will strongly protect American interests. The president's overseas debut on the world stage begins with Saudi Arabia. NPR's Jaina Raff tells us more from the Saudi capital, Riyadh. Saudi Arabia has invited the heads of state from almost 50 other countries to help welcome the president and his family. Saudi officials say they don't believe Trump is anti-Muslim, that that was just campaign talk. A lot of the discussion here will focus on countering what most Arab states see as a threat from Iran. That's NPR's Jaina Raff reporting. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange says he would be happy to talk to the U.S. Department of Justice. This comes as Swedish prosecutors have dropped a rape investigation involving him. NPR's Frank Langford reports from London Assange still faces an arrest warrant in the city where he's been hiding out at the Ecuadorian embassy. Swedish prosecutors said they were ending their investigation into Assange because they've spent years trying to arrest him without success. Christophe Marchand, a lawyer for Assange, welcomed the news. 
Quote, this marks the end of his nightmare, Marchand told Agence France Presse. Not quite. Assange is still wanted by the U.S. for leaking hundreds of thousands of secret diplomatic and military documents. And London's Metropolitan Police said they still have a warrant for Assange's arrest for skipping bail in the rape case. WikiLeaks says the U.K. has declined to say whether it's received an extradition request for Assange from the Americans. Frank Langford, NPR News, London. U.S. stocks are trading higher this hour. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 139 points or more than half a percent at 20,802. NASDAQ is up more than half percent as well at 6098. This is NPR News. and struggling with a food shortage crisis are getting a helping hand from Russia. The Latin American country's foreign ministry has announced that Moscow plans to send several thousand tons of wheat every month. Flour is a hot commodity in Venezuela. People either have to wait in long lines for it or are forced to buy it on the black market. Turkish authorities reportedly are detaining four senior staff from an opposition newspaper. The state-run Anadolu News Agency says the editor and the owner of Solshu newspaper were among those taken into custody on charges. They were committing crimes on behalf of a cleric who was accused of orchestrating last summer's failed coup against President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The cleric, Fethullah Gulen, lives in the U.S. Japan's cabinet has just approved a bill allowing the nation's emperor to step down. From Tokyo, John Matthews reports it would be the first abdication in two centuries as the world's oldest monarchy continues to shrink. 83-year-old Emperor Akihito has said he's become less and less able to carry out his stately duties. If the newly approved bill passes parliament and if he steps down, which could be as early as December 2018, that'll put Crown Prince Naruhito on the throne. But then there will only be three male heirs left in a royal family whose history goes back to the year 660 B.C. Women in the family cannot stay royal if they marry a commoner and they can't take the throne. It's very unlikely that'll change anytime soon, putting a heavy burden on the only male heir in the youngest generation of the family, 10-year-old Prince Hisahito. For NPR News, I'm John Matthews in Tokyo. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the law firm Cooley LLP. With offices in the U.S., Europe, and China, Cooley advises entrepreneurs, investors, financial institutions, and established companies around the world where innovation meets the law. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Today, we are rounding up ending Women's Health Week and we will talk today all things women. Of course, from top to bottom, head to toe, this show is the show for all the ladies and 
the people who love them. Um, what questions would you want to ask your doctor? What things does your doctor want you to know? We are spilling all the tea today. Um, you can find out the answers to these and any of your other questions. Um, if you just have a general women's health question or other health-related question, our phone lines are open. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or for those of you who might not be able to access your phones, but who would like to send us an email, you can do so at women at mpbonline.org. And this morning, I am joined in the studio by my partner in crime, Dr. Allie Brown. Hey. Good morning. So glad to be here with you as always. Friday's a wonderful day when I get to spend it with you. Yeah, I'm like living off my high from last week. We had such a, a great show and, um, you know, got geared up for Mother's Day. And so I'm still kind of on my Mother's Day high, I think. But um, we wanted to take some time today to kind of focus on um, Women's Health Week in general and give people an opportunity um, to just kind of call in with general women's health questions. If you or someone you know or love is struggling with a health um, issue or concern, you can definitely call. Um, if you have a particular experience or some information that you'd like to share, you can. Um, we definitely uh, invite you to call in. Um, and in the meantime, we will just kind of talk about some random stuff um, related to generalized women's health. And for our male listeners who are out there, do not touch that dial. Um, there's definitely some information that could be um, of use that will come out today for you, for the women that you love um, or the women in your lives. So um, we are looking forward to just kind of giving a lot of good information today. And we'll talk about a lot of just generalized topics related to women's health. Um, so, Dr. Brown, what do you think would be um, if, if we were talking about things that were important for um, women to know or for women to ask their physicians, what kinds of things come to mind? I have my list, and you know we do our lists sometimes. What's on your list? Well, I did not make a list in advance, but I have to say that I think that a lot of times we think about going to the doctor when we're sick, but what I would want to know is what are the things I can do to keep myself healthy? Preventative medicine type things. Maintenance. Maintenance is important. Absolutely. Right? And so um, and what kinds of things are built into health maintenance? I think um, for women, a lot of times we kind of distill things down into just like a, a breast exam or mammograms and uh, the female exam or the pelvic exam, um, which includes in many instances a, a pap smear, um, but in some instances may not. Um, the pap smear being the test that is done as screening for cervical cancer. So if you get a pap smear, um, the pap smear is a screening test for cervical cancer. Um, and there are other parts of the feminine exam or the female exam that are also very important. And there may be other aspects of a pelvic exam that are done for women that um, do not equate to a pap smear. So ladies, just because you have a, a female exam and someone uses a speculum, that does not always mean that you got a pap smear. And the other way around, it's so great that you said that. It is a screening tool for cervical cancer, not for cancer of the endometrium, which is the lining of the uterus that's a little farther north. Sometimes mm -hmm. that can come out on a pap smear, but that's not it's exactly what's for. Mm -hmm. Or ovarian cancer. I've heard people say, oh, so-and-so had ovarian cancer, but she always had normal pap smears. It is not a screening tool for the cancer of the ovaries. They're mm -hmm. too far north. That's right. 
so um yeah they, and and we don't unfortunately we don't have great tools for screening for those uh types of cancers those gyn or female uh organ cancers um and, but the pap smear is actually a darn good screening tool for cervical cancer. But do know that. And since you've mentioned that, we can also talk about the fact that um, other things that the pap smear does not do. The pap smear does not tell you if you have sexually transmitted infections generally. Mm -hmm. And you know as a pathologist that there are some things that you can see um, or have uh, an inclination about on a pap smear. But um, usually if you ladies are concerned about um, sexually transmitted infections or have other concerns related to discharge and things of that nature, um, then that is not what the pap smear is designed to do. Mm-hmm. So you, make sure you mention that. Yeah, absolutely. that's a great point. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so first of all, so those are three things that I can think, well, the first thing that I think about with respect to um, things that you can do to stay healthy, of course, um, I'm going to jump on our soapbox about um, about getting active and doing something. You got to get out there and um, the weather is, is getting nicer. There'll only be a few more days before it gets like ridiculously hot here. Um, but while the weather is, is nice and somewhat temperate and then the humidity has not just kind of descended on us with a vengeance, um, it's a great time to get active. And for those people who have been living a previously sedentary lifestyle, that is that should not preclude you from making small steps toward um, increasing your activity. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that you go out and start training for a marathon. Um, I think it's very reasonable for people who don't do much at all just to start with, you know, simple walking. You may you may only be at a point where you can it takes all your energy to get up and walk around your driveway. But just doing that a few times a day, if you are at work and you're listening or you have a desk job where you don't or you're not really required to get up and move a lot because most of your work is done in front of a computer, um, take take a, a break or every hour or so. Oh, it feels good up, to move around. Yeah, get up, walk around, stretch your legs. Um, walk, Say hi to your neighbor. Walk to, your, walk to the bathroom, even if you don't have to go, um, just so that you are kind of getting your, your blood pumping and, and moving around. And, and research has really shown that if you increase your activity, and just kind of, it doesn't have to be, oh, I, I don't have time to work out because I can't carve out an hour out of every day in order to do something. But if you can, you know, take a 10 minute walk during your lunch or a five minute walk, or if you have five different episodes of two minute walks in the course of your day, that that actually counts. So the good news is when it comes to physical activity, every little bit counts. Yeah, I love uh, Dr. Owens and I both work at UMC some. And to see the folks always, there are certain areas where you see the walkers, right? It's over there by the library. Yes. You see people on their lunch. They brought different shoes or something. And mm-hmm. they're just walking fast, yeah. you know, for a little while uh, where they know it's nice and air conditioned and there's a nice straight shot. And it's just, it's inspiring to see people doing that at work. Yeah. And so for those of you who haven't gotten up, from your desks right now. I'm going to give you the phone number. You can get up and walk to a phone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can send us an email to women at mpbonline.org. And it's interesting you say that because when I was a little kid, 
um, I used to get excited about us going to the mall. And so mm-hmm. getting up and going shopping at the mall was a big deal. It was a thing to do. It was. And it was so much. Before the Internet, we went to the mall. <laughs> and there were. But the thing that's interesting is that there were always people who never had bags in their hands and they just had their tennis shoes on. And you would see those same people like as we're walking around because I'm on a mission. I get to go shopping. I'm in and out the stores and running around and, you know, the food court. And the, but there were there's this group of people who you would kind of see, and if you went regularly to the mall, you started seeing the same people who were mall walkers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for those people who are concerned, I I have friends who have to limit their sun exposure for certain uh, reasons, or people who can't tolerate the heat, or, you know, who are kind of like me and are a little fair weather, because when it starts raining, like my motivation drops a mm-hmm. couple of notches. It's hot. like right. I, I love I, I love running oh, cold. I don't yeah. like cold. Either. I love running. But when it's raining, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could just, you know, do that later. Or maybe people don't feel safe in their neighborhood. Frankly, you oh, can go somewhere. Uh, is safe. Yeah. So so um, so that's another option um, is to find an indoor area. And it doesn't require a gym membership. It doesn't have to be something that's expensive, but little small things that you can do, places that you can go that are safe, where you can still get some degree of physical activity, a change of scenery, get your heart rate up a little bit. Um, if you have pre-existing medical conditions, it's really, um, we would encourage you, of course, as always, to seek the advice of a physician um, and make sure that you are cleared medically for whatever type of exercise or activity that you're trying to undertake. Um, but if you're just a person who's been sitting around for a little bit and want to get moving, um, you know, today is a great day to start. Um, and so let's see, we have, um, we're going to go to the phone lines because we have a caller. We have Margaret who's calling from Panona, Panola. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Hi, what's your question? I have a, I hurt my arm, my lower arm. And I've been treating the clindamycin, and I'm anxious to make it not leave too much of a scar. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm treating it with triple antibiotic and taking the antibiotic. But when I get through with all that and I feel like it's healed, I'd like to know what you recommend to help it not scar too badly. So, um, you know, it's interesting about um, about wounds and scars. Uh, the the location of the scar is one of the things that has something to do with the way that wounds heal. Um, and also the direction of the scar can impact that. Um, if it is a, if it's just an abrasion or a scratch, those tend to heal a lot better and easier um, without having a lot of changes in cosmetics. If it was actually um, an injury that required, you know, stitches or something like that, then the amount of tension or the amount of movement that occurs around the scar during the time of healing actually impacts the way that it looks after. There are a ton of um, different uh, scar minimizing creams and concoctions that are on sale in local drugstores. And the truth is that I don't know that any of them really are superb or work really well. I I can think of some names like Mederma and some of the others that may be a little bit more uh, popular. There are also some who are uh, some that are oil based or like ointments that you can put on for scar minimization. Um, 
and, and what you're doing sounds right. You're taking your antibiotic. And sometimes that what it, what I do know is that Neosporin, um, which you can buy over the counter, has been shown if you put that on scars to kind of improve wound healing compared with the people who didn't have Neosporin on their scars. So it can minimize scars. Um, but outside of that, it's kind of, I think, just you could try any of those things. I don't know that there's anyone that's been proven to be better than the other. And the truth is, if you're really concerned about it, your best bet is going to be to see a dermatologist because they can, they, now they have a lot of really fancy things in their armamentarium. Yes. And, and a lot of other things available that might be able to help minimize um, scarring. And some people scar, people scar differently. Like I tend, I have a lot of pigment in my skin. When I scar, I get a real dark mark. You know, it, people who are fair skin tend not to have those problems. So, or making a scar that kind of sticks up. Mm-hmm. Um, when you scar in general, Margaret, how, how do you usually heal up? Do you heal up pretty good or do you make dark I, marks? I heal, I pretty, heal pretty well. This okay, that's good. like a skin tear. Okay, okay. It was pretty big, 10, two by three inches at least. Oh, wow. And, uh. It did get infected. I was actually in Europe when it happened, and that's why I had to get on the clindamycin when I got home. Yeah, and you didn't, and, and you didn't have to have it. It didn't have to be surgically repaired. Like you didn't have to have anybody put any stitches or anything in it. Oh no, because it was too wide and it was definitively a skin. I mean, it just pulled up the top layer of my skin. Uh, it looked rather like a burn. Okay. Well, um, that's why I think if you just continue on with your antibiotics, because the minimizing the infection is going to do a lot for inflammation and, um, then, uh, making sure that if you put some like triple antibiotic type ointment on it, then you'll probably, that'll be the best thing that you can do from home. That'll kind of help to minimize your scarring. Okay. Thank you for talking to me. You're very welcome. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Um, Our phone lines are open, and so that'll give you a chance to, while we are off the air, get up, walk around. This is Dr. Michelle Owens, and we are here at Southern Remedy for Women. Stick around. Standing member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This week on Amden Wired, Los Brown. always in my head. Sometimes I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night with a melody in my head, so I knew that this is what God wanted me to do. Ampton Wired. Watch it loud. Friday at 10 on MPB Television. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. 
That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. back at Southern Remedy for Women. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and I'm here with my right-hand woman, Dr. Yes. Allie Brown. <laughs> and we are talking about... Dangerous uh, duo here, oh my I'm gosh. telling you. Look dynamic, not dynamic dangerous. and dangerous. Not dangerous. We are the non-dangerous, totally <laughs> dynamic duo Yeah, here on MPB Radio, Southern Remedy for Women. Um, we are talking about Women's Health Week and just random women's health facts, issues, questions, concerns. And so um, during the break, um, we were reminded of another thing. So Margaret had called in for those of you who missed the first segment and asked questions about scar healing. And when when the reminder came through, I remembered, yeah, this is true because I actually have had my husband use this. So, Margaret, if you're still listening, um, another thing that works really well um, are um, is silicone therapy. And so there are bandages that you can buy over the counter in any pharmacy or drugstore um, that are that are also they're called scar patches, I think, or something along those lines. And um, if they are used regularly, they can also minimize um, minimize scar formation. So that's one other thing that we've, we we uh, failed to mention before the break um, that can also be used. And in the interim, Dr. Brown and I were talking about um, not just prevention when we were talking about things that people should ask their physician. And she said, well, what should I do to be healthy? Um, part of being healthy is also about what you know about yourself. And so um, I think we should talk about numbers to know. And so we're going to give you guys some numbers to know. And well, so, the first one is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, right? Ah, uh, that was very clever. I yes. thought I worked that in there. That Segway. is it. That, Segway. So, so the first number to know in order to be healthy is the number to call in for Southern Remedy for Women. So, um, yes, that was very clever. One eight seven seven MPB ring for those of you who actually have a phone that has uh, letters on it, or one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That is the most important number to know. Um, and now we're going to give you some other ones that are just random. No, seriously. Seriously, they are. These are they are really important. I think um, will be helpful um, if you don't know these numbers. Uh, when you see your doctor, you might want to ask about them. So uh, I'm going to go with number number two, um, which would be your body mass index mm-hmm. (BMI), um, and that is actually um, a calculation that is your body weight per your height squared. Um, And so it's your weight in kilograms. That's the new math. Um, Your body weight in kilograms over your height in meters squared. And so there are ranges. And based on those ranges, um, you are classified into a particular group. And so the people that we call underweight are those people who have a BMI of less than of of like 19 or less. and then if your BMI is up to 24.9, you're considered normal weight. If it's 25 um, to 29.9, you're considered overweight. And if the number is 30 to 35, then you've actually, once it's over 30, if your BMI is over 30, then you are classified as obese. And we know that obesity is a, a problem in not only Mississippi, but across the United States and actually is becoming an issue across the world. It's really considered a pandemic. Um, and obesity matters because it increases your risk factor for a lot of other chronic illnesses and also death. 
And so that's why I think that your BMI is a number to know. We used to focus on the number to know as just being your weight in pounds, but weight in pounds alone is not enough because it really doesn't account for the distribution. And the distribution, we also know, makes a huge difference when it comes to your overall risk for cardiovascular disease, which is, by the way, the number one killer in women, and also um, for death. So um my number that I would offer up to all of you to know, and there are BMI calculators that you can find online. There's an app for that. Um, your physician should be calculating that for you whenever they visit, um, whenever you have a visit. But the number that you should know, you should know your BMI um, because, and you should know what category that places you in. So there's class one and class two and class three obesity, which it increases as the number increases, the severity of the obesity um, increases. Um, there's a new terminology for women or for people, not just women, who have a BMI of greater than 50, and that's called super obese. But it's really important um, that you know that number because that number, while it doesn't define you, it says a lot about your overall risk. And so at, with that, I'm going to Take a minute and go to the phone lines because we've got a couple of callers on the line. And we're going to go to Kathy, who is calling us from Port Gibson. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. I would like for y'all to talk about hypothyroidism and hyper. I've been 10 years hypo solved by a little bitty pill every morning. But for six months, I suffered terribly. And there are 10 real hits to determining it, as you know. And I was laying on my gynecologist's table, and I looked at the poster on the wall, and I was 8 out of the 10. And when we solved that, I felt like a new lady. And so I'm thinking many women would need to know to suggest this. Well, thank you so much for that question, Kathy, and you are absolutely right. Dr. Brown, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the thyroid? If not, I can oh, sure. go ahead and roll right it. The roll thyroid right is a gland in the front of your neck that sits in the front of your neck, and it's responsible for producing hormones that affect your metabolism and therefore affect kind of how you feel. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, Kathy. I mean, you being hypothyroidism, which hypo means not enough, that means you're not having enough of that thyroid hormone, can make you just feel kind of sluggish and make you gain weight. Your hair might fall out. You feel cold all the time. I mean, these are kind of non-specific mm -hmm. things that a lot of people feel. So you might not think, you might just think, oh, I'm getting older or I'm not in good shape. But it's true. Getting your hormone levels checked yeah. by your physician could really offer you a lot of relief to yeah. get those under control. So changes in, so hair and skin changes. Um, another thing that people might not think about, and I'm going to say this because this this is something that is very common among women. You can have depressive symptoms mm -hmm. and it can be your thyroid. And so if you think about it, when it's hypo, as as uh, Kathy mentioned, that she suffers from hypothyroidism is when the the thyroid is not working as well or not producing enough thyroid hormone. And so what that does is since it's responsible for metabolism, you know, when your metabolism's high, you're burning off stuff and things are moving fast and quickly and when your when your metabolism slows down, then processes take longer to occur, and that's exactly what happens. You feel like they have basically unwound your clock, and you're just moving in slow motion. You feel sluggish, um, 
the cold intolerance um, is one that people often talk about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Constipation is another weight gain, ladies. And and it's interesting because a lot of times people will say, I thought something was wrong because I felt like I was pregnant, but I knew I couldn't be pregnant. And it's because a lot of times the same types of um, complaints and people who are hypothyroid are also the same complaints that women who are pregnant sometimes have. So they have this weight gain. They have, you know, they notice changes in their body. And uh, the other part is just the hormonal piece or feeling very depressed or down or sluggish. So that's hypo. And so if you take the opposite of those things, it's kind of hyper. So the hyper people are always hot, the hyperthyroid people. You can sometimes have a mass in your neck. You can feel your heart racing or have palpitations. And a lot of times those people will have unexplained, unexplained weight loss. And so if you can imagine, your body's running, running so fast that it's burning everything that you're taking in. And so these people will oftentimes have weight loss. They can have um, eye changes where your eyes look bigger or you look kind of googly-eyed or like your eyes are poked out, wide-eyed, um, which is a condition we call exophthalmos. But um, when, you're high, when your thyroid is running too fast, then too fast or too slow is not good enough uh, for you. So um, it's definitely something that women should get checked, and there are uh, recommendations for screening. So thanks so much, Kathy, for that. And we are going to keep going with Stephen, who is calling from, I don't know exactly where Stephen's calling from. I'm going to let Stephen tell us. Fort Good. White Buffalo? <laughs> Stephen, where are you at? Good morning, Stephen. Hey, how are y'all today, my fair ladies? We are doing great. And where are you calling from? I'm from Fort White Buffalo, what? Mississippi Delta. That's it, Fort White what? Buffalo. Awesome. Nice. So how are things um, up there? You are a treasure to the United States. Do you know that? I did not, but thank you so much. For I that. knew she was. Look, can I, I? I just need to record you saying that so I can play this back for my husband, Stephen. Thanks so much for that. We appreciate you listening. What 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 do you have to say to um to our listening audience? Um, well, I'm a Delta T special operator, and uh, we live on a holistic medical agenda. Uh, fruits and vegetables is the best way to go, like watermelons, pears, apples, fruit juices. And um, I especially eat Clover Valley, pomegranate, and blueberry uh, made in Gullisville, Tennessee. Um, I'm a native, na- native-born Nashvilleian son, and your your radio station is a holy blessing to me. Oh, um, I'm able to connect to my Admiral General through you. That's awesome. Well, I am so glad. Thank you so much. And you have made a good point. We were talking about things people can do to live healthier, and you hit the nail on the head with a, a, the concept of healthy eating and, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So the better things that we take in, especially the more natural, the the food sources that we consume, the better off we are going to be. So you are absolutely right. And we thank you so much for your call and for your support. And we hope you continue to listen. Silk milk uh, with the omega-3s heals thyroidism. I have a thyroid problem too because I smoke the Field family fortune was built on tobacco and pharmaceuticals. Um, I am a um, American British imperial sexton. Do you know what that is? I, 
You know, I actually do not, but I do know what silk milk is, and I I actually enjoy silk milk myself, and I had not known that it had any effects on the thyroid, but I definitely appreciate it. Um, I appreciate having it sometimes with my cornflakes. So um, thanks so much for calling, Stephen. You have a great weekend, and we're going to move along. We've got Katie on the line calling from Corinth. Good morning, Katie. Katie, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, good morning. What's your question? Well, um, I was just recently diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering uh, if there were any ways I could manage my um, symptoms other than the medication, exercise, diet, that kind of thing. So, um, to be honest, there are any um, diet and exercise changes that you can make. So one of the things with polycystic ovary syndrome is um, you get insulin um, resistance. And so exercise and changing what you eat, um, watching your concentrated sweets and carbs, kind of almost like a pre-diabetic diet concept, um, all of those things would definitely help. And depending on, you know, how much weight you lose, you could see a significant change in your symptoms without um, a lot of medications. However, if you find that you need medications, you can, for example, start medications and start those other conservative measures, you will get the positive benefits of those measures and that may enable you to taper off or decrease your medications. So don't feel like just because you start it, you're going to be totally committed to having to remain on the medicines. But the truth is that for you to reap the benefits long term, there are lifestyle changes that you'll have to incorporate and you'll see the benefits of those accumulate over time. So while I understand people are very reluctant or maybe hesitant to start medical therapy right away, just recognize that that doesn't mean that you can't start all of those things at the same time and then taper off or bring down your medications. But it may be that if your symptoms are severe enough that you could benefit from the medical therapy at as you start to implement those lifestyle changes. Okay. Um, Could I ask you one more question? Sure. Um, I was also wondering, um, I'm 28, and my husband and I were wanting to start a family soon, and I was just curious how PCOS would affect my chances of conceiving. Oh, well, um, so women who have polycystic ovaries um, sometimes have a a more difficult time with conceiving. Um, That does not necessarily mean that you can that you will, but that can be a risk factor for having difficulty with conception. Um, There have been individuals who have with medical therapy been able to resume regular cycles. Um, Another thing is, of course, weight loss can also help you if you've had issues with irregular cycles as a result and uh, and have PCOS. So just know that um, you can with the weight loss. And when I say weight loss, I don't mean you have to lose 150 pounds. It's really only like a 10 to 15 percent of your overall body weight loss that can make a difference in the way that you cycle. So. Um, 
It doesn't take a lot of weight to lose in order to greatly improve the likelihood that you can conceive. Um, And sometimes with just the addition of some of the medications that help to lower your glucose, like metformin, um, we've seen women become pregnant um, and have very successful pregnancies um, without a whole lot of other intervention. What I would say is, though, as you are being monitored, what you may want to do is have your, if it's an OBGYN who's monitoring you, they may want to, they may consider sending you to a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist just for a consultation so that they can help to create a plan that works best um, as you and your husband are trying to plan your family. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of y'all's advice. Absolutely. You are very welcome and good luck to you. All right. Thank you. All right. I'm I really should be taking a break, but Thelma has been on the line so long. I'm going to push it and we're going to go to Thelma in Starkville. Good morning, Thelma. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I want to repeat that I also enjoy the show a lot. And I consider you a blessing, too. Well, thank you so much. Y'all are, you guys are not, I'm not going to be able to get out of the, I'm not going to be able to get out of the studio today. Y'all are making me so excited. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you might after this. My question is, where is Karen? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So, yes, yeah, so I, and, and you know, Karen is part of our family, and so are our listeners. So, I'm glad that you asked. You are right. One of our family members is missing today. Um, so, Karen is actually, and I'm sure she would not mind because she should be listening to this in her car as she is on her way back up from a little getaway. So, she had a vacation. Her son is graduating. She had some family things going on. And so, she actually did something she has not done and doesn't do very often which is take a little time for herself and her family and so while we definitely miss her um, we are very glad that she is doing something that kind of contributes to our own like health and emotional wellness um, by taking a little time away from the studio and spending some time with loved ones oh great I'm glad to hear that that also brings up another thing I'm glad you mentioned that because I am dealing with uh, some ladies who are caregivers and so if you would talk a little bit more even about taking care of yourself so that you are able to take care of other people well yeah that's really important i mean i've had this in my personal life we've all seen someone like that like someone's ill in the family and then the person or the people taking care of them you kind of set your own life aside you know and are encompassed with this person's struggle and maybe put off going to the doctor or put off if you're feeling a certain kind of way, you, you know, you, you don't seek out to figure out what's going on just because you're overwhelmed by taking care of your loved one. So, yeah, it is super important. And even just being a mother and raising children, sometimes we mm-hmm. think we don't think enough to take time for ourselves. Yeah. And I think um, you get so it's really hard for caregivers, um, A, because you're overwhelmed because someone that you love is hurting. And so that affects us all in a very special way. Um, aside from that are the emotional and the physical difficulties associated with just providing care to another individual, whether that person is an adult or a child. And then the other piece are these unresolved feelings and the isolation that can come with that. Because sometimes as caregivers, we have feelings that we think to ourselves are are unreasonable or that are horrible. And so we'll feel guilty. Like if you are taking care of your parent and you're frustrated that day or they are not cooperating and you might feel guilty because you don't want to go help them or you kind of want to say, well, just do it yourself. I mean, these feelings that are very valid 
and very real. And then you think, oh, my gosh, I'm a terrible person for thinking that. Well, no, actually, you're normal. And and there's no place. Who do you go to to share that information? Well, if you're a sibling, you don't want to turn around and say, okay, look, I, mama has me at my wit's end. Somebody needs to do this because I can't do it. Because then you feel guilty as a child. This is a person who, who reared you, who took care of you. There are so many conflicting emotional issues that go along with that, that weigh on you. And we were talking before how you can't separate body and mind and how they really go together. And when you are emotionally just drained and worn out, it can affect you physically and it can have there can be physical manifestations. And so it's so important if you are going to be a person that shows up and gives your all to someone else as you're trying to help them. You've got to recharge your tank. It's just like getting in a car. You can't get in your car and drive your car all day, every day, everywhere you want to go and never put gas in the tank. And so we are the same way. We got to stop and take a moment to refuel. And Java is looking at me because he's saying you got to stop and take a break because we still have another segment to do. But Thelma, thank you so much for your call. Um, I'm sure Karen is glad to know that she's missed. And we will be right back with our last segment. Southern Remedy for Women, talking about Women's Health Week. For the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. back at Southern Remedy for Women on the air. The show all about health care from a woman's perspective. The show for women and the women who love them. 
Um, we are talking about Women's Health Week. This is our final segment. All of our phone lines are open. We have had some great callers today, and we are really appreciative for all of the support and the love that we've gotten. But we are waiting to hear from you. So if there is a question that you would like to have answered that you have been waiting to hear someone ask and it hasn't happened yet, um, give us a call. That number is one 672 which is the same as one eight seven seven mpb ring or you can always drop us an email, women at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Brown, yes, we had gone with, so we got interrupted with um, numbers that you should know. And so, besides the MPB number, the MPB call in number, um, I gave BMI. So, what's your number? You should know your blood pressure because it can be high and you just don't even know it. I it's feel like we're silent. playing Family Feud. Good answer. Thank Good you. answer. <laughs> And the survey says blood pressure. Ding. Yes. So blood pressure is good. And why? Why does blood pressure matter? Because if your blood pressure is high, it's going to mess you all up, right? It accelerates heart disease and it could give you weak vessels. So where you're more prone to getting things like a stroke and things like that. It's a big contributor to renal disease. Renal disease. Um, Anything that gets blood, if it gets too much blood, too high of a pressure, it can break it up. Absolutely. So and so that means that our poor little kidneys um, can be damaged by poorly controlled blood pressure. Um, Our our brains can be damaged with poorly controlled blood pressure, and that contributes to um, our overall risk for stroke. It happens slowly over time, usually. Unless you have super high blood pressure, you can have an acute or all of a sudden event. But usually, it's just happening slowly over time. It might have started when you were younger, and then you thought, oh, I'm perfectly healthy. I don't need to go to the doctor. And those numbers just keep creeping up. They keep creeping up. And And here's the thing. They call it, I think it's one of the things, like, it's kind of silent. When you um, have high tension or high blood pressure, you don't always feel bad. And so that's kind of one of those things that can happen. And you are doing everything you would normally do. And while exercise and eating a healthy diet can help to keep your blood pressure low, there are some people who do those things and who still have high blood pressure. Genetics are a strong thing. Absolutely. Family. So um, that is definitely an important number to know. And if you don't know what your blood pressure is or what it usually runs, um, then I would suggest if you don't go to the doctor to get it done, go go someplace. There are plenty of little places, whether it's a health fair or a screening. The drugstore? You could go to the drugstore. Some grocery stores have them. Um, and you know what's interesting? You can even go to the fire station. They can check your blood pressure at the fire station. Did you know that? 911, I want my blood pressure. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do, do that. I'm just call. kidding. I'm just so, kidding. Okay, so we're not listening to Dr. Brown anymore oh, for the rest no. of the show. I'm she a problem. Is, she is now on microphone restriction. <laughs> um, and thankfully, What's we have new? Louise, who is going to save us oh, on the Alabama. phone. So we are, hey, one of my, that, one of my old home girls. Oh. So we are going to go to the phone lines and let Louise save us from Dr. Brown and the whole. Save us. Thing. Come on. Good morning, Louise. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Thank you. Great. What's your question? Yeah, well, it's not really a question. It's an observation I made because my husband, before he passed away, he was getting elderly just little by little. And uh, little by little, the loads got bigger on me. But they were so small stressors that you don't really notice them. But for a few years, I I had uh, irregular heartbeat and... and, uh, 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 dizzy 
you know, got busy some days, but I never did anything about it because it it went away, you know, and, and it was just uncomfortable temporarily. And then he died. And then now it's two years later, and all these things are gone. They were just produced by stress, but they came on one by one, little by little, that I didn't even know what's causing it. Mm-hmm. But, and it wasn't problematic enough for you to stop what you were doing to get it seen about because it didn't happen enough. Right. And I had to be concerned about him, mm-hmm. you know, out to backseat. Well, and, um, it's, that is, what, it's hard to be it's hard to be a caregiver. And it is it's difficult because I think since it's a labor of love, we often struggle with you know, you don't think twice about it, right? Your family member or your friend or your someone special, your loved one, whomever, they need you. And so you just, you respond. Yeah, you're on autopilot. You're just sort of there yeah. doing what needs to be done. And I think sometimes even when we're talking about whether we're caring for someone who has a terminal illness or if we're just caring for someone who um, has a new disability or, um, you know, has a new physical impairment or ailment as they are trying to work through their process. It is it is really you you just you show up. And um, I think sometimes what people have found is that you are on autopilot so much that you stop thinking about yourself because you say, I don't have time to do that. I can't take time to go do X for me because who's going to do Y for him? Or oh, what if something happens while I'm gone? Yes. I won't forgive myself. And Absolutely. And and the other piece is that sometimes, especially when it's with respect to a, a person who may be terminally ill, sometimes you don't even allow yourself the space to to grieve or to experience the the moments and um that's kind of another stress in unto itself um just not to be able to recognize and to be in those moments because of the to-do list and some people actually can find solace in the to-do list that actually can be a way of coping with a very difficult situation. But I think what you've said makes perfect sense. And it's something that many caregivers, I think it rings true with a lot of people in our listening audience who are providing care to others or who've been in that position. Um, And again, those things, those stresses, whether we acknowledge them or not, they don't go away. And they do. They manifest themselves in very different ways. But Louise, I I will tell you that one thing is that I'm glad those things were just a result of stress. I do want to emphasize that sometimes a caregiver can be feeling symptoms and it's not just stress. It is a medical condition that needs to be looked into. So don't think guys, just because you're having a stressful moment that chest pain or palpitations and all that is just stress and not necessarily something worse. So that's something to keep in mind. Like we said before, Dr. Owens was saying, you got to take care of yourself and put gas in the tank. Absolutely. So, I know all those names like irregular heartbeat or beat or PBC or tachycardia. I did have a check and they said it's benign. It's just annoying and, and it's uncomfortable. But well, it went away without medication, without anything. Just two years of just me. Yeah. Taking care of yourself. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, because for a lot of people, that's that's not the case. And it's just keep in mind that if something happens and it's uncomfortable or annoying, 
And even if it doesn't happen enough for you to feel like you need to get up and do something about it, if it happens and it recurs, just consider that as like a knock on the door. You know, we've all been at home and had somebody knock on the door and then like you're doing something and you're like, did I did I hear something? And so you stop and you wait a minute and you listen to see if you hear it. And then you might start doing it and you hear it again and you stop. Wait a minute. I heard it again. Just kind of think of it as your body's way of like knocking on your mind. Your body oftentimes will try to tell us things. Our bodies will often try to tell us things. And sometimes we just have to really have an ear um, and be willing to hear it and be willing to respond and be willing to listen. But thank you so much for sharing. Um, We have another caller on the line, and we are going to go on to Brenda, who's calling from Roxy. That sounds really like a cool place. Good morning, Brenda. Hey. How are you? Good. What's your question? Well, I do a lot of sweating all the time. What could be the cause of that? Just profusely sweating. So um, do you have any other associated symptoms with, uh, with your increased sweating? No, I do not. So what you have, well, there's a condition known as hyperhidrosis, um, Mm. which is a a condition that is basically just abnormal sweating. So a sweaty, a really sweaty person. So um, that actually can, it's it's something that's above and beyond what is considered normal. because of the way that our bodies control our body temperature. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, and it's interesting because the people who suffer from this, they actually call it, it's been called the silent handicap, if you can imagine, the silent handicap, um, because it can really be problematic for uh, people. I think if what you can do, is it related to eating or anything like that? No. So it's all the time or just when you're exerting yourself, you tend to sweat more than others? It just varies. (laughs) So what you should do is I would recommend that you see uh, your doctor because it can have something to do with a glandular problem. It can be your thyroid. It can be your pituitary. Um, Diabetes can sometimes cause it. Um, Sometimes it's primary, which means it's just your sweat glands are overproducing. But then other times it can be because there's some other underlying condition. And what you're seeing is that the the excess sweating is because of another thing. So I would recommend that you do see a primary care physician and explain to them that you're experiencing this so that they can check some labs to make sure that you don't have some other underlying glandular problem that might be creating that for you. Okay. All right. Thanks for Thank calling. You. Have a good weekend. So we are going to go to the phones really quickly. We got a, just about a minute left in the broadcast, and Jana from South Haven has gotten in. Good morning, Jana. Hello, Jana. Hello. My, I'm sorry. The phone is, uh, I don't know, for one reason, I was listening to NPR, I mean, MPB on the radio on my phone, and now I got the phone, on the phone as well as. Yeah, we have a little delay, so it's yeah, weird. Yeah, there's huh? a delay. Okay, I just wanted to make a comment, though. Uh, um, my dad used to always run a blood pressure of like 90 over 60 for almost his entire life. So his doctor told him that if his blood pressure is 120 over 80, he was running high blood pressure. I had difficulty convincing people whenever he'd go into the doctor mm-hmm. or go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. So that was basic. 
Yeah, because yeah. they just look at that number. They say, oh, that's normal. That's a great blood pressure. Right. But for him. Right. Which is why it's good for you to know your number because you need to know Baseline, what's normal. Right. Yeah, because what's normal for the next guy may not necessarily be normal for you. So thank you so much for calling and letting us and sharing that information because that is a very important point. Um, you know, the normals are kind of a range. But the truth is, if you know your numbers, then it's it's a whole lot different because you know where you normally live or where you normally run. And so normal for everybody isn't normal for everybody. <laughs> if that makes really sense. Is, what is normal? Indeed. Right? I know yeah. I'm not. Normal for whatever. you. Well, I cannot believe that. Look at how time has flown. I know. Um, Let's start over again. I know. We're already at the end. Thank you, guys. We've had a wonderful time talking about all things women today. Um, I am your host, Dr. Michelle Owens. And for Dr. Allie Brown, we are getting ready to sign off. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the MPB Foundation and by generous support from all of you people, as well as the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today's show was engineered by Java Chapman. And we would encourage you to join us next Friday, same time, same super stellar station um, at 11 o'clock. Southern Remedy for Women. Stay tuned. NPR's Here Now is next on MPB Think Radio.